Welcome to the Community of Faith podcast, where you will hear the exposition of God's Word taught by Rev. Patrick Parham, pastor of Faith Community Fellowship in Bristol, Tennessee. If you are in the Bristol area and would like to visit, please join us for Sunday morning worship beginning at 10 a.m. If you're not able to join us in person, join us online. Visit our website, faith-cf.org. That's faith-cf.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash faithcommunityfellowshipbristol. That's all one word, Faith Community Fellowship Bristol. Here at Faith Community Fellowship, our goal is to ensure that what we do is edifying to our Heavenly Father. And we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Let's join Pastor Pat as he brings us God's Word. If you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. We'll begin our reading at verse 33 and read down through the end of the chapter of Mark chapter 9. He came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. He took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. We forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand makes you sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot makes you sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye makes you sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to this portion of the service, we look into Your Word and we attempt to share some principles that will help the people of God. I ask that You fill me afresh with Your Spirit and Protect me and guard me from the sin that lies within my own members and help me to be an instrument in Your hands. Open the hearts and minds, spiritual eyes of the listeners and help us all to grow in our understanding of Scripture and to grow in our love for You, to grow in our desire to serve You, our King, to grow in our ability to love You with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. In Jesus' most holy name I pray. 
Amen. I was telling my wife yesterday, one of my seminary professors a long time ago told us that there's going to come a time when you get your sermon almost done in your mind, you're going to pick up one more commentary and he's going to blow the whole thing. That's what happened. I had it all figured out in my mind and I picked up this one commentary and I read it and I said, I think I approached that wrong. I really do. And I think this man was right. And so I went back and redid this thing, but hopefully it'll come across the way the Lord will have us to look at it. As we review, some of these verses will be reviewed. Jesus and His disciples are now in Capernaum. And that, of course, was His home base. That's where Peter and lived and some of the other apostles were there as well and lived there. And He's been instructing His disciples in verses 33 and following on the importance, the absolute necessity of humility. And He gave a principle that I up there in verse 35. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And then He began to talk about that principle. He illustrated what He meant. By taking that little child and saying, you got to receive people like this little child receives me. And then he applied that principle when John said, well, we saw this man casting out demons, but we forbade him, even though he was doing it in your name because he didn't follow us. Jesus applied that principle of serving by saying, uh, that's the false view of that. We're going to correct that. And then he explained how... <laughs> This principle of service applies even small acts that we might think of them. And even what we might think of sometimes is insignificant people. Whoever gives a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ. They're not going to lose their reward. Or whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better off if you were just dead. That's what he's talking about here. And notice the words in verse 37. And in verse 39 and in verse 41, in my name. In my name. They, they refer to serving God in the power of Jesus and loving others because He has loved us. That's one of the themes underlying His teaching in this passage. That's one of the underlying principles Jesus is teaching. You see, He's addressing a problem. In reality, the sin of the disciples in their thinking. Verse 34. They had been discussing among themselves who would be the greatest. He is uh, addressing the sin in their actions. Verse 38, we forbid Him because He doesn't follow us. You see, what He is trying to get us to see and what He was telling the disciples here is humility is necessary if we're going to serve in His name. Worldly ambition and striving about who would be first, which they had been doing, it just fades away. If the disciples and we serve others in the name, the power and love of Jesus. Whether or not a fellow servant of Christ happens to be in our circle of believers or travel with another circle. Is it important as long as they are serving in the name of Jesus? That's what he's talking about. If Satan and his forces are being driven back and people are being helped, it doesn't matter whether they follow us or not as long as the work is being done in the name of Christ. These are the thoughts the Lord is impressing upon His disciples. The teaching that He's giving them when the Holy Spirit desires to teach us through passages like this one before us. And when we get down to verse... 43 through 50. They sound pretty radical to us. They really do. 
But what are you saying? Your sin, like pride and worldly ambition in the kingdom, exclusiveness of the workers there, is pervasive. And like cancer, it's got to just be cut off. It's got to be gotten rid of. And what I'm saying is that verses 43 through 50, regardless of what our study Bibles might do, they don't stand alone. They are part of the conversation that's taking place in the house there in Capernaum. Part of the teaching of the Lord concerning the necessity of humility, the importance of serving God, and the power and love of Christ. And you see, one of the wonderful things about Scripture, and I've told you this many times before, one of the wonderful things about the Bible is the Bible never commands us to do something and then it stops. No, it gives us instruction on how to implement it. It tells us how Jesus nor His apostles in their writings ever tell us to do something without telling us how. Think of these verses, 43-50, as the how we apply the teachings of serving in His name. Steps that will bring us more and more into line with the Spirit of this passage. First, what He's saying in verses 43-50 through is whatever is hindering us, Whatever is hindering us from serving in His name must be removed. That's what He means by cut it off or pluck it out in verses 43, 45, and 47. The members of the body mentioned in these verses, they can and should be good instruments in the service of Jesus, but they can also get us into trouble if we pick up the wrong thing or walk in the wrong direction or look at the wrong things. You see, He talks about the hand. Well, you know, that same hand that carries the Bible to church can be used to give somebody an obscene gesture on the way home if they cut us off in traffic, can it? He talks about the foot. That same foot that we use to go door to door to invite people to come into church can also, it can also be used to walk into places where the Spirit of Christ isn't named and we know we ought not to go there. What about that eye? We read the Scriptures and meditate and feast upon His Word, but that same eye can be used to look at a woman lustfully that's not our wife, can it? That's what He's talking about here. To be pleasing to God, our actions must be guided by a Spirit-filled mind. They must be done in His name. That will inform our choices in life. It will cause our priorities to be more like those of Christ and not of ourselves. Another thing that we pick up here is we must live life. We must live life knowing that nothing is more important than eternal life. For nothing is more awful than the alternative, which is, as he says, eternity in hell. That's what he's talking about here. The Bible teaches that there really is an eternal hell, but it also proclaims that there is mercy for anyone who asks in Christ's name. That should cause us to desire to serve others in His name, cause us to be more willing to love even those who seem to be unlovable. See, Jesus died for us when we were still sinners and still enemies against God. And it ought to give us a desire to warn others of the terror of the Lord as we read over in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. And then a third principle in verses 49 and 50. Everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but the salt loses its flavor. How will you season and have salt in yourselves and peace with one another? We must consistently work 
on sanctifying sanctification. You see, fire and salt are purifying agents. Fire burns up what is perishable, but it purifies what is valuable. Salt preserves, and it's a purifying agent working against corruption that comes from within. Both are word pictures of the sanctifying power of the Spirit gradually removing sin and its effects from God's people and replacing it with the holiness of God. And we can best express that by being conformed unto the image of Christ. And then a fourth thing I see here is that the more holiness or salt that we have within ourselves, the less sin will be expressed in our action with others and that naturally results in peace with one another. In other words, have salt in yourselves what becomes first and then the peace with one another follows. It follows. Now how do we tie all this together? How do we apply it to what he's saying to the disciples and to ourselves? You see, if the disciples would just simply had listened to what he was saying, there wouldn't have been a debate about who would be greatest in the kingdom. That would just fade it away. Humble people desiring to be His servants wouldn't be interested in worldly greatness. They would rather want to serve in His name. That applies to us. The principle given in verse 35, if anyone desires first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. That's foreign to the world's thinking. And without a tremendous work of the Spirit in us, it's foreign to us as well. Another way it can help us is the way of service is a life lived in the power and love of Jesus, doing things in His name and being willing to help others when they are serving in His name. Another way of stating follow after holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so as we think of these principles, what is it that, how is it that it affects us in the future? How do we change our lives and bring it more in line with what Jesus is saying here? Determine that with the Spirit's help, we will serve others in His name. No matter how far we've come in that process, there's always room for more growth. Determine to offer our bodies a living sacrifice seasoned with the salt of sanctification as we seek to let Jesus shine through our lives every day. And the four steps that I drew from this passage will help us greatly in this. If you or I recognize there is something hindering us from serving the Lord to the best of our ability, then we just need to remove it and cast it away. Just get rid of it. Secondly, recognize anew the importance of the gospel message. You see, people that die without knowing the Lord as their personal Savior, they don't just go to the grave and remain there forever. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach, but it's not biblical. It's not biblical. There is an eternal hell, but there's also the good news of Jesus, and that makes it much more valuable because as real as hell is, people don't have to go there. Let us tell others about the forgiveness of sin we enjoy and perhaps the Lord will use us to bring them into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And then we need to work on our sanctification. It is true. We might as well admit we're never going to be free from sin in this world, but that doesn't mean we, can't not, we cannot be more free today from it than we used to be. If we are a believer, the Spirit of God Himself lives within us and He has all power. Let us let the prayer Paul has recorded for the Thessalonians be ours also. Now may the God of peace Himself 
sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last point is, as these principles work themselves into our very being, we will find ourselves more and more at peace with one another. It will happen. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and we are His children. If we will pursue peace with all men, we can know experientially the joy of Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this time we've had together today. Thank You for these verses. Thank You for Your straightforward teaching to set us on the right path to be pleasing to You. Help us, Lord, to work on having a servant's heart by being submissive to You. To ask You to be to make us more humble every day. To work on our sanctification as we rely upon the power of Jesus Christ applying the principles of Scripture and earnestly strive for peace with one another as we serve the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' most holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pat, for another wonderful message from God's Word. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Pastor Pat's message. If this has been a blessing to you, please like and follow this podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to support this ministry and the other ministry opportunities at Faith Community Fellowship, please visit our website, faith-cf.org support. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Community of Faith.